don't care what people say All I wanna do is live for today And get ready to be surprised Now it's time to let it all go Feel the love is all there is to know And get ready to be surprised I don't care about the past Old memories turn to dust Baby, get ready to be surprised They can't stop me anymore I'm driving on a road I've never seen before Get ready to be surprised To be surprised Hi, welcome back. This is Richard Sack here on Lost Arts Radio, and we have a returning one of our favorite guests, Darren Berger, who is the author of How to Prevent Autism. And if you remember, we were talking about this when we had Carrie Rivera on a couple times. Uh, April was Autism Awareness Month, and it seemed like a good idea to have Dara come back and let us know what she's working on now and anything that she wants to really get into uh, in a fresh direction or whatever is happening. So welcome, Dara. We're really interested to hear what you're doing now. Well, thank you, Rich. I'm so glad to be back speaking with you. Are you still focused on the autism issue? Oh, I always will be. It's it's one of my deepest passions. You want to tell people who didn't see you the time before how that involvement started, how you got into sure. it? Sure, absolutely. So I have a 17-year-old son with autism. He was not born with autism. Um, about at 18 months, he suffered two ischemic strokes after a horrific vaccine reaction. And I was doing them very slowly. And I, um, but this particular one, it was the sixth one. And of course, the last one, he received a vaccine. And 12 hours later, he stopped speaking for seven long years. How, how old was he at the time? 18 months. Okay. So he had just started walking. He had just started talking and pointing, and he lost, like, everything overnight. Wow. Could not walk upstairs. And it took a few weeks where his gross and fine motor skills unraveled, but his speech was gone like you pressed the light switch, and it was just gone the next morning. Wow. And what's horrific now uh, is that I look back and I'm shocked beyond because, Richard, if either one of you we presented with just stop speaking overnight. We'd go to a hospital. They'd run a battery of tests, including like a CAT scan, maybe right. like a spinal tap. You know, they definitely would suspect a stroke. But with my son, it was an autism label. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. They're really well programmed. Yeah. So they didn't acknowledge the, the role of the vaccine in the whole thing. Well, they didn't even forget the the cause. They didn't even acknowledge that something happened. That's even worse to me. So when I went to the doctor, I said, you know, he stopped speaking. And she said, oh, he'll talk. New Yorkers are crazy. He's just a late talker. Right. It happens all the time. And I visit with, like, confusion because I had, like, one of my siblings telling me there's something really wrong with him. And then, of course, I heard what I wanted to hear, which is he's going to be fine. Yeah. 
Um, but he wasn't fine. And it would take a long time, you know, months of, and then he finally got diagnosed for a, a neurologist. And I was given the same speech that parents are still getting today, Richard, which is there's no hope, there's no cure. And just, uh, you know, make plans to institutionalize him. There's so many things that doctors are trained are incurable and hopeless. I think they must get training in how to tell people that you're never going to get better. So I've heard that from a lot of people, not just with autism, but all kinds of stuff. Well, Western medicine doctors, they're all about symptom suppression using prescription bad medicine. So they're not in the business of healing. They're not in the business of curing. So I think they've gotten so far removed from it, like you just mentioned. Right. Yeah, they're really thoroughly programmed in medical school and it's it's like aspects of it are like cult training there's there's just this overload of material and to memorize and peer pressure and lack of sleep and overwork i mean it's really effective for most of them some get through it with common sense intact but not many Exactly. And I just would like to try to change that paradigm, you know, and it's important that people recognize that autism is a medical condition. These children are so sick. I mean, you know, they have a host of problems and it's time to recognize that and start treating all the issues that they have. Right. And, And there's a lot of things in the environment that affect the severity and the onset and all kinds of things. But it's interesting as a foundational understanding to realize that where there's no vaccines, where there's no vaccination, there's essentially no autism at all. So well, the I have heard of stray cases, I will tell you, but it goes back to what the root cause of autism is, which is toxicity. So yeah, yeah. someone could, let's just say someone... Uh, They dropped a mercury light bulb next to a baby that was on the floor crawling around. Good example, yeah. That alone could give a child autism, you know, all that mercury all at once. So I think there are rare cases where it it could still happen, and that's why we have to be, like, vigilant of everything. So it's just the vast majority have had the toxin injected directly. I would say that's correct, and I think that it also, well, the amount of them... And is so different than, of course, when 20 years ago, 30 years ago. But also, we have things in the environment that we didn't have 20 years ago. All the Wi-Fi, all right. the glyphosate, the GMO food, all the chemicals in the food, all the plastic. And I, so I think it's like a toxic soup that these kids are growing yeah. up in. Aluminum's a big one, too. Right. And now they're putting that, you know, all over the air. Yeah, that's in the geoengineering. It's also in most of the vaccines, as I understand. Yeah, they replaced the mercury with the aluminum, which many people don't understand that. Right. They're doing this to animals, too, in case anybody's wondering. I mean, when dogs are required to get rabies shots, the vets have generally been told the ingredients are secret. And I did some investigating with that, called the manufacturer of some of those vaccines, And one of the receptionists was careless and told me, uh, no, there's no mercury in it. So I thought, so what is there? And I said, well, it must be full of aluminum then, right? And she said, absolutely. Right, because they need an adjuvant. That's made very rudimentary. Yeah, and it's not to make it effective. 
it's to make these things called antibodies show up because the body gets uh, panicked, basically, that it's being invaded by something. So you could put aluminum in an injection and get antibodies even, even without other ingredients. So it doesn't show, you know, immunity to anything. But that's the story they're telling. Yeah. Well, it's artificial immunity, which we know, you know, doesn't last. And it's a manipulation of the immune system. And anytime you manipulate anything, you have no idea what's going to happen because we're all different individuals. Right. And antibodies, it's not just that it doesn't last. Antibodies are not an indication of immunity. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't exist. So some of the really prevalent doctors who have done the studies on vaccines are coming to that now or have for a while. Sherry Tenpenny is one of the most knowledgeable that I know of. Absolutely. And she's saying a lot of people with good natural immunity don't show antibodies, have very low antibody count. And a lot of people with very high antibodies have no immunity. They're just not related. It's like carbon dioxide and global warming, more or less. There, but there's also other issues besides toxins. When we used to get the chickenpox and the measles, that type of infection, that type of prolonged but somewhat benign infection in most the majority of people who get those illnesses, it had certain protections for cancer later in life. Mm-hmm. It really established the immune system and made it hardy. Yeah, almost like the immune system was designed intelligently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I think, so it's really, it's I, the, the whole cause thing, I think it's always going to be there. You know, there's always going to be that horrible controversy. No one's going to recognize it. So I think where my shift right now is I'm trying to get people to recognize that this is a medical condition and all these things the children are dealing with, they, they need treatment. And my hope is by treating it medically, then they will figure out later on, okay, if it's medical, what's causing it? You're going to have to educate the doctors that if they are given the chance to treat it, they know about detox and not just drugs. Absolutely. Right. You know I'm right, not the biggest fan of pharmaceutical products. Well, they're all designed to cause illness intentionally. It's not well, they an don't cure. They just don't cure. You know, and, and the whole what's the point of taking something that masks the symptoms, but then and most of these pharmaceuticals we know they deplete vital vitamins and minerals, so then you end right. up with some other illness. You right. Know? So even if you gave it to the doctors <clears throat> as a medical condition now most of them would make it worse with poison. Right, but the only good thing is the parents who got the no hope, no cure speech from the developmental pediatrician or neurologist, they would go looking for answers and maybe they'd try healing diets on their own. Because you know diet alone can cause healing. Oh, yeah. It's the primary means of detox is just cut back on the work that the body has to do digesting food. Right, and all the chemicals and preservatives that impair digestion. You know? Right, yeah. I mean, um, a lot of doctors have cured multiple diseases by doing nothing but changing the diet to all organic, no GMO. But the problem is when they get this, you know, there's nothing you can do, 
<clears throat> keep giving all the the horrible GMO, non-organic, you know, pesticide-ridden food, and right. the child gets even worse. So that's the only reason I think it's important that people know that. And I believe you can heal from, you know, almost anything at any age. You know, they used mm-hmm. to talk about if you didn't heal your child with autism by the age of five, it wasn't going to happen. Right. And that's total malarkey. I mean, we know you can. There are people right now healing from cancer, arthritis and lupus this moment all over right. the world. And there's some really helpful elements in the in the treatment, too, like um, <clears throat> I guess it was David Noakes that was working with the people in Texas, Dr. Bradstreet and others in that group, curing autistic kids, Right. something like 70 some percent were cured. And these were severe cases too. And the main thing that they were doing was giving them uh, GCMAF. Right. Because they discovered that the Nagalies. Nagalies who had been put into the vaccines intentionally to destroy the immune system. And then they couldn't fight off cancer. And now we have, you know, we have pediatric cancer at epidemic rates. Yeah. I think once people get the idea that these institutions are not the individuals working in them, because most of them don't even know what they're working for and they have good motives, but the way it's been designed by the people in charge is to cause harm intentionally. And people need to be, Aware of that, really clear, and then decide what's a positive response. So, you know, and it's really sad what's going on because we're talking about a generation, you know, it was just the boys at first, a generation right. of boys. Right. And as Sid Baker always said, he's one of the, you know, the leading autism doctors that's been around for 40, 50 years that was trying to heal kids before a lot of these other physicians. And mm-hmm. he said it's the top 10% of the most intelligent kids. It's that sensitivity that makes them, you know, so susceptible. But we, we've just gotten rid of like the top 10% tier of the most intelligent men. That is interesting. Why, why tell people why it would target them? Why well, they'd be more we know susceptible. That genius has always been associated with someone who's sort of eccentric or mm-hmm. just different, you know, you know, a lot of artists and it and it's met with sensitivity and that same sensitivity yeah. that allows them to express art or whatever is the same thing that gets them in trouble, you know, with the toxins. So it's not just emotional sensitivity, it's physical. It's physical. Well, fact, I, mean, I don't believe that for the most part, aside from trauma, you know, we're not even going to go into that. But right. most, a lot of, you know, mental illness is physiological basis. You know, it I mean? is. A lot of it's been healed and demonstrated to be healed by diet. Right. I mean, mold makes people crazy. Yeah. So that do psychiatric, psychiatric drugs make people commit homicide and suicide. Right. Com- commonly. Yeah. I mean, I just had a friend recently who went on a psychiatric drug and I gave him a warning because my own mother perished on one, you know, Mm -hmm. 35 years ago. And I just said, hey, be careful. This is what happened to my mom. And I explained she had the black box warning that was on uh, Prozac. And 
what you know what's interesting a few days later he told me that this drug is making him like five times worse he got off it after just like five days and i'm glad that i mentioned he may have just gotten off it anyway but i'm glad i mentioned what happened to my sure. mom because maybe he thought oh this might be the drug it's not me yeah um people think of those things as unavoidable oversights but you know, after, when you really dig into it, it's clear that the industry knows, the people at the top of it know, <clears throat> they're not doing it by mistake. And, and they're impossible to get off of those drugs. <clears throat> most of them are addictive, yeah. Yeah, they're impossible to get off of. They deplete all the most important vitamins and minerals, <clears throat> so you're so much worse, so you think you never can get off them, and you don't realize that it's just depleting everything in your body. From a business model point of view, that's actually desirable, you know, <laughs> to keep somebody hooked on your product. Of course. And I know with most of the psychiatric drugs, <clears throat> when people realize that they're harming them and they try to get off, it makes them feel unstable, disoriented, all kinds of weird symptoms. So they usually go back on. And unfortunately, a lot of children with autism, they're so toxic that their behavior gets so out of hand because, first of all, picture being a nonverbal child trapped in a body that doesn't work, but you still right. think and feel like everybody else and you're discriminated against and you're treated terribly. Right. You keep punching people and kicking and biting too, and then they put them on these drugs and they make them worse. They do it to sedate right. them. Right, right. So it's yeah. a travesty. That was this, the question that was act by, asked by Dr. Andrew Wakefield, remember a long time ago, was, oh, yeah. is there a connection between this unbalanced gut bacteria and flora and a mental condition like autism? And he didn't even say yes. He just said, is there? Right. And for, for that, he was attacked, meaning that it was a really important question. Well, he just said that we need to look into this further. That's what the report said. It's inconclusive, but there's strong evidence that we need to look into it further. So when you first had the experience with your son, it took you a while to realize the implications of the vaccine being the trigger of it, I guess, right? You know, I don't know. I wasn't so intent on figuring out what happened it was more important to help him you know what i'm saying right but to help him you have to understand what had to be helped right the the toxicity basically well i lucky for me when i went home from the neurologist who said there's you know no hope no cure yeah immediately went to an integrative doctor i mean i was in their office like within weeks wow and I went home that day and started the gluten dairy free diet, which, you know, is just the first step. I mean, I was just I was jumping in, you know, head first. That first step can make a a definite difference, though. Right. But I went on everything, the fish oil, the probiotic. I mean, just everything I was and I, you know, I still haven't stopped. I mean, I'm constantly doing new things for Dylan, you know, and constantly. So how much improvement have you seen so far? Well, seven, after seven years, I got his speech back. Wow, so that, that's speech. a huge deal. Huge, because think about it. How many, when someone, when an adult doesn't recover their speech from a stroke after a year, 
the doctors usually tell you it's never coming back, right? Yes, yes. Okay. So seven years later, I, over the years, I had so many speech therapists that told me we should just work on typing. He's never going to speak. And mm-hmm. I would fire each one of them on the spot that minute. And I fired at least mm-hmm. three of them because I was like, if yeah. you don't believe in him, you're gone. Right, and, right. And, le- and the be- I think the best uh, story is that I had a speech therapist who said that. And I fired her, of course, right away. And within the next six months, we had t- tried a type of th- uh, a therapy that worked for him. And I'll tell you what it was for your viewers and he started speaking, and, and he still went to the same school where that therapist was. And every day I would pick him up by his locker that was right next to her office, and he would say, hi, Mommy, or whatever he'd say, and I'd always look at her and smile. And it was just, <laughs> it was just beautiful. You were able to do with the negative ones what uh, Donald Trump was making believe he could do in The Apprentice. You know, saying you're fired when, right. when he couldn't do that in real life. He hired all the criminals and couldn't fire them. Right. But you were actually doing it. So that was so, great. And that yeah. led you to some good ones. That was a sweet moment. And then that went on for six months until we left that school. But, you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't do I don't hope that it upset her. I hope it motivated her to see that she was wrong. The ones that you fired, you mean? Yeah, like that particular therapist who had to witness him speaking and, and see us. I hope it motivated her. I hope it changed her view. Oh, I thought you meant that was one of the ones that had helped. Oh, no, no. That was uh, one of the therapists who told me he'd never speak. Oh, good. Excellent. Yeah. Wow. So, so what, what new innovations are you working on lately with that, all that? Well, with him, you know, he's very sensitive. And when children are very sensitive, pharmaceutical drugs just do not work for him. They're too much. Um, but even natural supplements, really strong ones, you know, mm. strong ones, wormwood, sure. and, you know, they're too yeah. much for him. But if I take something and make a tea, a very strong tea, right. he does very well on that. First of all, it's liquid, so he absorbs it much better. And then it's not some kind of dry, I don't want to use the word, like just non-active herb. Instead, right. I like to use food. So I'll get fresh herbs. I'll make teas. I'll totally different. Hours. I've noticed the same thing. The difference between fresh herbs that are still, you know, in their, in their live state versus dried powder that you don't even know how old it is. Right. Right. So I do a lot of that with him, and I do use a lot of tinctures, you know, herbal tinctures with him, and they work really well. And the good thing about someone who's that sensitive, the bad thing is you have to be careful with them, but the good thing is you see results within days when you try something. Right, and you don't have to use something that's not working for very long because they'll show you. Yeah, they'll show you this is not working. Have you, what, what's your feeling about chlorine dioxide? You know, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, have successes with it. It's not something that I feel intuitively that's right for me to try, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't try it. I understand it. I think that there's just a lot of other substances, you know, food-based, like we talked about herbs, that, that I can use right now so I don't need it. Chlorine dioxide is not natural. It's made in a laboratory. Yeah, And normally I would have no interest in it at all. The only reason I did after 
years of ignoring it <clears throat> is that before they were all censored uh, on YouTube, there were hundreds of testimonials of people, not just with autism, but a wide range of diseases that had gotten uh, basically healed and no reports of damage at all. So after several years of saying, well, there's all these amazing recoveries and I can't find any damage and the media says it's from Satan, you know, and it's the, it's one of the worst things in the solar system. And that Carrie Rivera, who we just had on the show, uh, was the leader of a cult. They had this on a Canadian television show that I saw. And the cult believed in pouring bleach on their babies, you know, and that was their sacrament. I thought, I better find out about it. You know, it sounds like it's probably really good in some way or they wouldn't waste their time. And she's had incredible results with it. I still don't, you know, I I still am hesitant about it because it's not from nature. And I'm always really suspicious what something going to do long term if it's artificial. But the results are amazing. I tried it uh, myself, although I didn't really need it for anything specific. And I I didn't have any positive or negative results that I could tell. But it's just something to be aware of. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I totally understand why it helps because what it does is it kills all the very negative, uh, you know, bacteria, yeast, parasites that can really imbalance the immune right. system and wreak havoc on it and cause inflammation everywhere. So it makes sense, but I'm with you. Um, I do, I'm concerned that, first of all, in Dylan's case, in my own case, I think it will be too strong for me, even the most minute amount. So Maybe. Uh, I don't think it's going to be good for me. It could, and you have to follow what you feel about it, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of pharmaceuticals that have helped <clears throat> people, you know, these antifungals, Marsha <clears throat> Hines, a right. mother whose son is an aerospace engineer. And it's great that he's an aerospace engineer. He lives a normal life, but he's been on pharmaceuticals for like 23 years. And that's a right. really long time. So, you know, it's a, it's a difficult decision for a parent, which route to go, you know, do really you is. symptom suppressor so that your child can function. But we tried the symptom suppressor. We tried an antifungal when Dylan was like three and, Hmm. Now, it wasn't pretty. We also tried chelation, you know, like one of D- DMPS. Okay. A nightmare. You know? What, what happened? Oh, he was not functional. He was screaming. He was crazy. And then wow. when I used vitamin C IVs, the mercury and the metal <laughs> were pouring out of him, and he was totally functional and feeling good. So I just always err on, you know, what what seems like is going to – be not hurtful, not harmful to him, but we'll, you know, get the job done. Right. What about um, colon hydrotherapy of various kinds? What, what specifically? Well, there are two main kinds, enemas and colonics. Yeah, we've, we've tried that. I mean, I know a lot of people <laughs> who do those, but those upset the flora too. You know what I'm saying? To a certain degree, they're not toxic, but they do wash it out. You have to... Yeah has to rebuild. So, I mean, I think that's great if people want to do those, you know, for sure. I've definitely heard people do well on those. 
Yeah, they've had good results. Um, it seems, <clears throat> from what I can tell so far, that they wash out the bulk of what's in the gut, <clears throat> but it, but they don't eradicate the good bacteria and flora. Right. Because it's just water. You know, what helped my son the most was uh, helminthic therapy. <clears throat> what kind? And, you know, as you know, no, no two people heal the same way. So what right. it helps one child or a person isn't going to help another. So we used, um, it was, uh, what is the OVA called? <clears throat> so basically, the idea is, and they, they've done clinical trials, by the way, and they were very successful. So you uh-huh. take this OVA, it's in a salt solution, you drink it, and within a couple hours, the eggs hatch. And the parasites latch onto, you know, the intestinal wall. But after a day or two, they figure out, oh, you're not, you're not the right, you're not a pig, you're not a rat, whatever they're intended for, because they don't use human parasites. Uh-huh. The idea is they want them to go away. So they say to themselves, okay, you're not a rat, and they leave the body, but they leave behind these important enzymes. And for some reason, these enzymes trigger the immune system to turn off that chronic inflammation you know that switch that's just on and and keeps burning no matter what you do and it turns it off and then and then the brain inflammation goes down because of course the gut inflammation goes down right that's interesting and you could really notice a good improvement after that well here's the craziest thing so my son had a cherry angioma you know that little red spot on his shoulder, his whole life, it never went away. And normally when the immune system's functioning fine, it just dissipates over time. Mm-hmm. So he was on these, I'll call them worms, for lack of a better word, and the helminth. And within two weeks, that thing was fading. And within wow. six or eight weeks, it was gone. And meanwhile, he had it for seven years and it didn't budge. Wow. So it was very obvious that it was affecting the immune system because, of course, it's the immune system that recognizes this and fades it. So what you're doing is observing like an investigator what helps and what doesn't, right? Yeah. So I pay attention to that. And the people that they did the clinical trial on was Crohn's patients, and they gave them the helminth for 12 weeks, and one year later they were all still in remission. Wow. And you know, and it, is a very and it, it may not really be remission. Right. It, it may just be fixed. Exactly. I don't remission know is the assumption it's going to get bad again. Yeah, so I don't really and then they started to do a clinical trial at Mount Sinai with older young adult autistic males and I'm not sure where that went, but so this was pretty mainstream too, you know, right. just like the microbiota transfer therapy, you know, yeah, that's yeah. gotten a little more mainstream, mm-hmm. you know, and that's an interesting thing. So what percentage of healing do you think you've gotten so far with him? I don't know. I don't like to put a percentage on it. We're not done. And I think even if I ever feel that he's fully functional, you know, and, and good, I think you never stop healing because to me, prevention is healing every day. That's true. And it's not just autistic people who are diagnosed. It's everybody subject to that. You know, so, so I think, you know, even once he's fully back and running, I think we'll always be tinkering, you know, to keep him healthy. 
So how much are you focused now on autism versus the bigger picture that that's part of? Which bigger picture? (laughs) That's a loaded question. (laughs) What's going on in the whole world that is favoring things that hurt us versus healing? I think right now, like you and I had spoken a couple weeks ago, I'm trying to focus on staying upbeat, keeping Mm -hmm. my immune system healthy, keeping my mood, my connection to spirituality, my social connection. Because the stronger I am, then I have a better chance of withstanding all the really harmful and negative things that are going on around me, whether they're physical or mental. Can you do that balance where you're aware of the things that are threatening and what's going on with them. So you're strategically aware of your environment that way and still focused on keeping your emotional focus positive. Yes, that's what I do. So for instance, I don't read the news. I don't watch the news. I I get my news through, I have like five newsletters that I trust. Right. And I, I look at the top stories and I read the stuff that interests me and that's it. And then I go about the rest of my day. I take my long walks. I do all the things. I connect with my friends. So I, but I know it's there and I know what's going on. And so that way I know how to protect myself. You're like, just saying you don't, you don't watch the fake news. Oh, I haven't watched the fake news in like over 10 years, but I, I won't even look at a headline. You know, I mean, yeah. yeah, no, I won't even read a headline. I used to read both sides because I'm a trained journalist and I always like to know what the opposite side is saying. But long 20 years ago, I used to read more articles so you'd have a balanced idea and then you decide what is your side. But now I don't even need to do that. I just know that CNN is totally faked and contrived and there's right. no One of the things I think it was CNN, if I'm not mistaken, that said had a whole panel just there to try to protect you. And they were saying that the most dangerous thing that you need to be protected against, at least in that panel, was never do your own research. (laughs) Because you're not really qualified to do that. In fact, most regular low-level people like all of us we don't even own a laboratory, so we can't do our own research anyway. Why don't they just tell us, don't think, you're not qualified to think? They're working on that. <laughs> no, but you know what that reminds me? What you just said is the baby formula, okay? So we have this baby formula shortage. And yeah. I kept posting the Weston A. Price Foundation, you know, homemade formula that I did for my daughter. Yeah. And simple, beautiful, clean ingredients, very nourishing. And... The, all these health departments are putting up Facebook posts. It's too dangerous to make your own. Don't even think about. I know. I know. Like, if you look at what's in a baby formula. Yeah. You can, how are you going to make your own, you know, high fructose corn syrup, for example? Right. You don't even know how to do that. So how am I going to get the chemicals that I can't pronounce? Exactly. It's weird. And, and there are people listening to that. It's like. But they don't know better. No, I'm not blaming them at all. Yeah. You know, I, somehow the the whole issue comes down to how do you help people, you know, starting with ourselves to get more conscious. I think it's it's sharing information. It's really important. So, 
for people who know what's going on to pour their heart out into even Facebook posts or short videos where they can tell people without, you know, really overwhelming them and just kind of plant seeds. Right. And just, but keep doing it. I think that's the only way to go is, you know, and I think enough people are going to get fed up with what's going on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times it's easy to make a mistake. If you think, you know, a lot of valuable stuff that people will benefit from, you just want to say everything. And it's emotionally too much for most people to wait. Right. I like to do it in little short bits with people. And, you know, the whole premise of my book also was I kept telling people just make one change a week, one change a week, just try it. And then, you know, you start seeing benefits. You keep making changes. You keep going. And then by the end of the year, you got 52 changes. You know what I mean? You're talking to parents of autistic kids with this idea? That or anybody. Just, you mm. know what I'm saying? I so think- when they say, well, what do you mean? What kind of changes? Oh, well, then I tell people, you know, like diet things, um, getting the harmful cleaning products out, the harmful personal care products that have all the chemicals that are from like a CVS. So I just think it's the same thing with information. I think you have to just give it to them little by little and not overwhelm them. That makes sense. So what do you see as the next step, things that you want to work on at this point? Well, I'm going to start writing uh, this new book. And I think where I'm at right now is... Like, this was a very difficult Autism Awareness Month. For many of us, I'll call us old-timers, anybody who's been doing this autism dance for over 10 years. And I just, we're fed up. We've had enough of this genetic thing, because there's never been a genetic epidemic in the history of the world. Oh, you mean saying it's genetic, so it's incurable. Right. So that's just annoying, that it's developmental, I, so I, I think we're all just tired of everything. We're t- so I did a YouTube video and it was taken down. You know, Doug had helped me on it. And it was all about this uh, woman and her son, who's an aerospace engineer. And most of it was about she used pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not, I don't love pharmaceuticals at all, but uh, I wanted to show the other side. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to for other people who could be helped by it. And YouTube took it down. Medical misinformation? Well, no, they just said it violated their community guidelines because, and all we did was talk about the, you know, autism recovery. So they, did they tell you anything about what No, but I'm assuming that autism recovery is just not okay. Because everybody knows it's incurable. Right. Okay. So I think I just really want to get the word out right now that it's a medical condition. And I also think there's another area that's really ignored is that these kids are discriminated against. I mean, these kids who are nonverbal, I would say it's probably over 50%. They go into schools. The schools don't teach them. They, they're, te- they're treating them like a three- or five-year-old when they're 17 Mm-hmm. obviously they have outbursts because they can't take it, you know? Right, right. And they're discriminated by doctors. They go into doctor's office. You can tell a doctor, my son is having ice pick headaches in his left eye, and he'll just say, oh, that's part of the autism. Okay, 
You know, right. call COVID still happening in three months where, uh, of course, he should be doing, you know, medical testing. Yeah, somehow doctors are trained to think that for so many things, there's no cause <laughs> or, the, or there's a cause that you can never find out. Well, they right. can never find out for sure. That, that nobody can find out. <laughs> where the first thing they should ask is, where did it come from? Right. And so how do you- I think what's happening with these children, it's, it's far worse than anybody understands. If you don't have one, sometimes it's difficult to see all the little idiosyncrasies that go along with the illness. And I'm also starting to notice a new phenomenon that all these siblings of children with autism, my daughter mm-hmm. included, Right. have ongoing trauma and PTSD. Maybe I'm using the word a little bit too lightly, but it is traumatic. When you are dealing with autism, there are so many traumatic events, depending on the severity of the child and what's going on. And they have very significant issues. And I'm beginning to see there's a common theme with all that. One of the things they do is they, they, they put a lot of pressure on themselves to do everything right, to make up for the other child. So they'll be anorexic about their school grades and they'll get really good school grades, no matter how much it stresses them. You're talking about the siblings of of autistic kids. Okay. Yeah. So it's really like Mm -hmm. a common phenomenon that's happening. So the whole family gets victimized by the autism that's affecting one child. Yeah. And I've heard stories where even when the children get older and have their own family and their own children, they're still in therapy dealing with this. Because wow. They don't get the normal amount of attention that a child should get because of the really sick child that's got. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Makes you want to know what percentage of the population is emotionally healthy at this point. Not if any. <laughs> so it's a you know I had started a sibling support group like ten years ago in New York City when I started to understand this was an issue. But this was of course before I had my daughter. My daughter was only like two at the time. She might have even been younger. Right. But I was hearing from other parents about how hard it is for siblings. So I started this support group, not fully grasping you know what the need was. Now mm-hmm. I understand fully. What do you think now? What's a good response? I think it's important for parents to tell the the other child uh, to try to make special time to be with that child. Mm -hmm. They they get bursts of attention that they really need. Anytime my daughter gives me the time of day, she's a tween now, and Uh she wants me to take her somewhere, I take her alone. And I give her that attention. I try hard. But I, I think I need to tell her more often that you you don't need to be so good. You don't have to be perfect because of Dylan. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to make up for Dylan. How old is the daughter? She's 12. Okay. You know, she so needs- she, she's still in school. Yes. I think the schools are a big problem, too. Huge. Right. I mean, signing your kids over to be taken care of by basically a subcontractor, which is the school system really dangerous. And then independent contractors, so hundreds of them. Right, right. That come with their own, you know, mental I mean, 
parents are, are in the mentality that there's no option. You know, we don't have time to do homeschooling and uh, everybody does the same thing. But really, if they understood the danger of the brainwashing and the programming and now the physical danger that they could be subjected to medical treatments with the instruction not to let the parents know. Or, you know, the masking or the yeah, very yeah. strong Wi-Fi with the smart boards. I mean, and it's the way too dangerous. Product, it's like the list is endless. So, but with my daughter, so I homeschool my son with autism. Uh-huh. I've done it for two years. And now with him, I'm at the point where I'm going to find somewhere for him to go before the social. He really needs, you know, the social interaction. But I could never have had her home. Um, I had to have her go there because she couldn't mentally take the isolation. You know what I mean? She's very active, very social. But basically, I spend a lot of time deprogramming her. Did you find a good place for her to go? What? Did you find a good place for her to go? For school? Yeah. Yeah, she's in a public school system. It's actually a really good one. They don't have as much of all that, you know, craziness um, with the, you, you know, the teachings with the whole 10 genders and all. Yeah, the- they haven't told her. They haven't convinced her that she's a boy. No, not yet. Okay. <laughs> so I deprogram her from 3.30 on. Good. Every good. day. And she's nice. a critical thinker. And I like that, you know. She picked it up from you. She picked it up and we talk about what's going on in the world and I make fun of stuff. That's my way of dealing with it. So she'll mention something in the news. I'll give her my take. Then, you know, some things I joke around about. So I think it's helpful for her. Neat. Yeah. So you said you're going to start writing again? So I'm going to start writing again. I'm going to interview some experts I didn't put a lot of citations in my last book, but I'll do it this time because then they leave you alone. I just got a Facebook memory this morning about when there was a petition going around to try to take my book down from Amazon. I mm-hmm. forgot all about it, even made it into the dailymail.com. Wow, wow. Yeah. What did the Daily Mail say about it? Why was They actually did a very positive story, you know? They interviewed me and they and they got my point of view loud and clear that I'm not trying to hurt anybody or you know, cuz I was being accused of eugenics. Yeah, of course. People that they shouldn't be born and which is so crazy when you're trying to prevent an illness. I'm not How did they people. get that from you? I don't see the connection. Well, they're crazy. And the other thing is my book wasn't out yet. It was pre-order, so nobody could have read it. So they just decided what it was going to say. Right, from the title. Eugenics. How to prevent autism. They took it as how to prevent them from being born. Like 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 it was uh amniocentesis and you know a down syndrome diagnosis and i was telling uh-huh. people you know to do something horrific wow which of I course want- is crazy do you think the people that were involved in putting those stories out understood what they were doing or they were just so out of touch that they thought that made sense you know there's a group of people and i don't like to categorize but there is there's a neurodiversity group which is older young adults with autism. Many of them have Facebook accounts and they Mm -hmm. make comments 
And I wouldn't say that all people, but there is a group of people and they're pretty loud and they're pretty intense. You know, when they get going, I mean, they were sending me threats, death threats on Twitter. I had to go to the police and bring in these death threats, you know. From what kind of people were those? All this whole group of people that were attacking me. You said that was a, what did you call it, a neurodiversity oh, group? neurodiversity. So there's, so they'll come on to a post where I'm talking about preventing autism or healing it. Yeah. And they'll be like, you need to just accept us and stop discriminating. We're no different And I would write back to them and say, you know, you're sitting on here commenting with a Facebook account. You are not nearly as profoundly affected as some of these children who can't feed themselves or use the toilet by themselves. How could you? Was there a response to that? Did they understand? Oh, no, they just, you know, I don't even know if they're trolls. You know what I'm saying? It could be bots or something, too. Yeah. Trolls, people who are paid to make, you know, inciting comments. Yeah, that's so strange. Yeah, because if they were real, I mean, where's the insult in thinking that you could be in better shape? Thank you. That's exactly, we could all be in better shape, right? Absolutely. I think it would be fantastic. I mean, if somebody tells us how we can be more functional than we are now, that's great. Right. Especially exactly. if they actually know. Exactly. And that's what we're all doing, right? We research so that we could eat better, take some. Yeah. Part of the problem is being ready to take offense at everything. Yes. You know, if we just that's a mental illness, I think. I totally agree. You know, that, that's one of the challenges in the world right now is that it's really rare to run into people not mentally ill <laughs> in some way. It's true. Right. You know? and, and the sad thing is when I was growing up, I'm sure people had aches and pains and things, but uh-huh. they weren't nearly as ill as everybody is today. Well, what is it, 54 chronic diseases from the average young kid now in elementary school? It's really sad what's going on. And adults, too, they're crippled by, you know, whatever. And I read a book recently. It was very interesting. It said, you know, the same things that will cause autism in a child is chronic fatigue syndrome in adult, Hmm. which is, again, a state of, you know, Limited Con- functioning, you know what I mean? Because constant exhaustion and how uh, sick they are. Oh, they're just really sick, you know. So, after all this experience, what do you think is probably the normal state if we ever got back to it of human adults? Because they're all fall- we're all falling apart now, you know, and um, it's considered normal aging, I think that's what they call it. Yeah, what do you think of that? I, I, don't, I don't think that's true. I think we could feel really good for a really long time. I mean, if they'd stop spraying, spraying no, no. the ground with the glyphosate, spraying the sky, I right. think they'd stop whatever they're doing to the water. I think if they stopped everything and they allowed us just to access our organic food and, 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 you know, of course, the television is so toxic, the Wi-Fi is everywhere. You almost can't go somewhere. I think if we could go back, turn the clock back to 1985, 1990, and I think we'd all be healthier just with that. We didn't realize that was the good old days at that time. Huh? Oh, they surely were. I mean, I'd that's like to, right before the autoimmune explosion. I'd like to see some of these really powerful, um, influential players like Elon Musk 
who are seemingly trying to do something good right now for free speech to admit, um, sorry about the 5G satellite system thing. 5G? He's got that Starlink thing. Yeah, what's the difference? Tell, oh my tell God, it's like a thousand times stronger. So he wants to put a brain chip in everybody. I just kind yeah. of call him Elon Musk. To me, he's the chip guy, you know, the, the brain chip guy. He yeah. wants to put a brain chip in all of us, even though all the monkeys die. Just like the ferrets with the COVID-19 Ex- vaccine. All exactly. All die that he yeah. it. Okay? So he How wants come to people that interview him never bring that up? No. <laughs> I don't understand that. So the Starlink is they're going to put these powerful internet satellites up in space. It's going to be so much stronger than even the 5G. And, w- and what's the functional difference? What's it going to do? Well, there's just going to be internet everywhere. They can, they can look any second they want and see that Richard is sitting there, you know, drinking so it's like coffee. So it's like 5G but stronger. Yeah. No difference in function, really. Exactly. I mean, I mean it I could be used know. to drive. It could be used to guide driverless cars and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. So I just I find him a little bit scary. That's my intuition. It's my personal opinion. Mm, yeah, I yeah, I feel the same way. I, I mean, if somebody who really is doing everything evil does something good, I think we should still acknowledge what they do that's good. If if George Bush or Obama or Hillary Clinton did some good thing. I would say, great, you know, you're still a mass murderer, but what you're doing over here at the moment is really good, thank you. And right. you could actually do more like that, but the bad things need to be brought out. It's the same with, with Trump or any of these other guys, you know? Yes. It just doesn't get brought up very much. So, yeah, so I, I, the whole Wi-Fi thing really scares me. So I have a good friend of mine. And she's homeschooled, and her daughter was really suffering with some kind of stomach issue. And this mm-hmm. is going to sound really wild. So I was trying to do some troubleshooting with her and try to figure out what's going on with her daughter. She lived right. in an old house, so I thought to myself, maybe it's mold. You know, that wouldn't be so sure. crazy in an old house. And right. we went through a lot of things, and I finally said to her, she said something that she gets sensitive at times, by, I don't know if it was power lines. I just said, why don't you turn the Wi-Fi off? And she just had regular residential, not strong Wi-Fi. So finally, after months, she, she fought her husband on it. And she <laughs> just said, "We're because I said, just turn it off for a night, five days. Like, don't even get yourself crazy. Five so days she, at night, not 24 hours a day. So she shuts it off. And it was the first night her daughter didn't have a stomach ache in like 10 years. Okay. Wow. Wow. She kept it off. She told the husband, too bad. They wired the house and the daughter's been great ever since. So I and what does the husband say now? His mouth is completely closed because he can't believe he ever fought it. But can he, can he acknowledge that it's good, a good thing? Yes, of course. Okay, well, that's good. So the point is, there's so many kids with migraines, with all kinds of, you know, issues, and it could simply be something like Wi-Fi. And that was just a router, a regular home router. Regular, residential, not strong. So, and I'm not saying every success story is that simple. But we no, don't, but some of them are. But some people are so affected by it, 
you know? Well, and even if you don't show that you're affected, it doesn't mean you're not affected. Exactly. It could be showing up in things that you blame on other causes. I always tell people to at least shut it off at night while you sleep. Right. Um, There's no need for it to be on while you're sleeping. You know, just unplug it. This is really a big deal because, you know, speaking of the satellites with the Starlink and all that, those were still up there. And all they did was change the router at night. Right. And after that, they turned it off all the time. Right. So she was able to control her one little area, which is her house. She lives somewhere where the houses are close together. So she Mm -hmm. still could be getting the neighbor's Wi-Fi. And even with that, it's a spectacular improvement. It's a spectacular. So you never know. Is wow. You have to be an investigate, your own investigator, because these doctors tests, for the most part, I always say when someone goes and gets like a CBC, just regular blood work, I say, that's great. You'll know if you're on death's door or not, because if something's wrong, it's like something's really wrong with you. For the yeah. most part, you know, there's a pretty wide range. I think you have to be your own investigator, your own doctor, so to speak. You have to learn about everything that you can that's relevant to your life. Yes. You know. And you have to work to protect yourself because you have to realize there is nobody protecting you anymore. This EPA, this FDA, this SCDC, all these acronyms, nobody's protecting you. And, and when one investigator like this lady makes a discovery... That's not just for her daughter. You know, what logically, then what that means is that everybody who's got one of those Wi-Fi routers in the house probably is being negatively harmed. I know. You know, my daughter went to a private school in New York City, and I felt a little crazy doing this, but I don't really care, thankfully. The first day of school, I walked into her classroom And I asked the teacher where her seat was. I wanted to make sure she wasn't in front of the smart board. And I wanted to make sure she wasn't sitting next to the teacher's desk with the teacher's computer on. And yes, does it make that big a difference for her to be 15 feet away? I I like to think it did. You know what I mean? Well, the intensity of radiation is supposed to go down by the square of the distance. Right. So it's not just linear. And I would tell the teacher why I wanted her seat, where I wanted it. I, you know, and usually the teacher didn't mind. It was no big deal to them. I forgot all about smart boards. Oh, why don't oh. you tell people what one of that, you know, because a long time ago, they used to have these things called blackboards. <laughs> I wish they still did. I'm sure the teachers are happy. They don't have all that horrible chalk on their hands. <laughs> So tell people what a smart board is. So it's basically a very large, it looks like a film screen. You know, when you were in school and you'd pull down that screen, but it's a lot thicker and it's attached to a computer. So anything the teacher has on her computer, you know, gets projected onto the smart board. It goes on the Internet and you need very powerful Wi-Fi or some kind of connection to get it working. And it must emit a lot of radiation, even when if it's you- wired in. When you say it's projected on the smart board. Uh, no, it's is, actually, is, no, it's actually a computer. It's not projected. Right. It comes from inside the smart board like a computer screen. Right. Uh, but the teacher's connected and she can navigate what right. is shown. In the era that I was talking about where they had blackboards back when the dinosaurs were outside trying to get into this classroom and stuff, they, they had actual projectors. Yeah. They had a light bulb inside. And some film, and they 
put the light through the film and it made a picture on the screen. I oh mean, it's God. hard to believe now, but. Yeah, and you, I remember you used to have to go up to the, the chalkboard and, you know, write out an answer to an equation the teacher put up there. Yeah, in case people don't believe it, there are movies showing stuff like that. Right. <laughs> Christmas Story and things like that. Um, so there's so, just, unfortunately, there's a lot of things around these children that are just really awful. And then you've got this AstroTurf, which has lead in it. It's on a lot of the school grounds because it's so, you know. The pl- you're talking about the plastic green grass, right? Yeah, exactly. I didn't know there was grass. I didn't know there was lead in that. Oh, tons of lead. Wow. They, so, just, they just thought it wouldn't matter to have everybody running and playing. Exactly. On and these children, don't forget, the ball rolls on the AstroTurf. The kids yeah. in the AstroTurf to pick it up. It, their shoes are on it. You know, they, yeah. they roll around when they fall. People buy that and put it in their yards to save water. So I think there's a lot of things that people don't realize are just are really awful. And I think almost everything can be made safer. And it's just that it's cheaper not to. How much of this was in your original book, uh, How to Prevent Autism? Uh, well, the AstroTurf and that stuff wasn't. I didn't list that. Um, okay. That's something I more discovered in the last bunch of years. When I was sending my daughter to a camp and I saw AstroTurf everywhere, and I said to my husband, she's not going here. Yeah. They used to have camps that were not detention camps, right? They had actual camps where you'd go and have a good time. Well, my daughter summer. goes to a camp that's like really old school. I mean, like a summer camp, right? Something. Oh like. yeah, but it's old school. It's all like you know how it used to be: arts and crafts, a lot of sports, no mm. astroturf, no pesticides. You know what the um, the techno- technocrats that want us to move into a completely artificial and eventually virtual reality instead of physical? Um, they're just saying this is what people want. You know, and because people are kids and other people are trained to want whatever their programming says. You can you can make people want things that are completely suicidal if you present it right. And And they're changing the way we think. You know what I mean? With and I hate it. I wish again. I really wish we could go back to 1990. I'm tired of having a phone and and looking at it and checking it. And you know, I, I don't. I really would prefer not to have the convenience. Back in that dinosaur era era we were talking about, they had things called party lines, where once in a while you could make a phone call out of your house. But if you weren't home, nobody could ever reach you. And no one died from that, as far as I know. Yeah. It was considered normal. It's sad for the kids right now. You know, and then the other thing that's alarming, so yesterday... and. My girlfriend told me about this pair of sneakers that are so comfortable. So I said, send me the link, okay? She sends me the link. I open it on my phone. Five minutes later, I go to sit down at my computer. I'm on Facebook. What does Facebook show me an ad for? Right, right. And that's on the, that's on the way to a brain chip that makes you think you're wearing them. And that's I was horrified, exactly. Yeah. Next, I just put the glasses on yeah. and I'm wearing them. yeah. <laughs> I don't want that. I want no part of that. That does not sound remotely interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, you're demonstrating the contrast because people may think that you've got a virtual reality background, but there, there is some evidence that those are real trees behind you. 
Yes, these are definitely real. Actual nature. Actual nature, thank God. Yeah. And there's even pieces of actual nature in cities. They, they call it parks. Yeah. You parks, know. unfortunately, they're like oversprayed with glyphosate, though. I know. New York City's yeah. the worst. I um, used to call the parks department. I know this is another thing. And I used to ask them when they were doing their big spraying because I didn't want to be caught with Dylan out, you know, at one of his sporting teams. Right. And I finally got a guy who was really nice and he would alert me to when the big spraying was in the particular park that I wanted to know. And he would tell me. But even if you avoid it on that day, it hangs around after that, right? Yes, but I just wanted to at least avoid You didn't want to be breathing it as it fell to the ground, I guess. Or as they just did it that morning, yeah. Right, right. Exactly. So, so are you kind of developing a sense of what the antidote is to all this stuff as you go along? Antidote as in how to... Well, there's two levels of healing, right? There's healing yourself personally and your kids. And then there's this thing around us that what they call the real world, you know, and that that is being directed to do bad things to people right now. And that has to be turned around. Seems I'm having trouble living in alternative universes now. So for 15 years, I've lived in two universes. I live in the one that's the autism. Okay. You know, there's so many dangers around us, so many things wrong, you know. And then I live in the one where I pretend with other people that aren't my tribe, Mm -hmm. my close tribe. I have to pretend with them that, yeah, this all makes sense, sure. But now that the world has gotten so out of control crazy, you know, and I've lost my patience with, I I, I can't really pretend as much. I'm not going to pretend that this is normal, what's going on. So what does that do to your interactions with regular people? (laughs) Less with certain people, that's for sure. (laughs) Less interaction. No, less with certain people and more more seeking out my like tribe. Right. Yeah. A lot of people seem to be coming to that conclusion now that it's getting really important to find people that you can relate to. I mean, even my own husband, the first year of the pandemic, he kept calling me a conspiracy theorist. All these things that I would tell him from that I got from my alternative news, I'll call it, which I consider to be the real news. Right. You know, he couldn't, it wasn't that he, it was his way of dealing with it. My husband had a hard time believing that such evil was being perpetuated on us. He couldn't digest it. Totally understandable. So it wasn't that he's in denial or repressing. He just couldn't handle it. And now it's the opposite. He will send me an article (laughs) in a paper and say, this is completely suspect, you know? Yeah. Uh, Stuff that so, you didn't even notice, you mean? Well, I don't read the regular paper, so. Oh, yeah. Okay. I wouldn't have even seen it. So he'll right. see it and be like, this is totally suspect. Um, so he doesn't, he doesn't read the news anymore. He doesn't believe anything. Um, but it was, he, he had a big evolution. Right. Know? Huge. That was a good response. I mean, he, he just got emotionally stronger and stronger. He still can't talk about it. He'll acknowledge it when I tell him something. He'll be like, "I can't deal with it." He'll just say he can't. He can't deal. Okay, with it. but that's a degree of self awareness to know that. Yeah. So that's his new thing. 
He'll hear it. As long, I have to keep it like under 60 seconds. <laughs> he needs the brief yeah. version. He's aware of his own emotional state. Yeah. And that looks really an important issue. You know? Yeah. We're, well, I we're think called- there's classes of people. There's people like you and I um, who are used to dealing with all this. And I think that there's people who are completely not awake. They won't, they're in denial. They won't, they're so indoctrinated. But I think there's plenty of people like my husband. They just don't know what to do, what to think, and they can't deal. Yeah, which is, I totally respect and understand that. Yep. We're dealing with stuff that is not natural. I mean, it seems really strange that it's even there. I know. And I don't know where this is going, but I'm just trying to keep my own uh, family healthy, positive. I don't, I don't get into arguments with people about anything, not about testing, not about vaccines, not about because you know if other people, it's not productive anyway. No, and unless it's someone I care about, if it's someone I really care about that's close to me, I'll talk to them and let them make their own decisions, but I'll present the information. You still have to really use your discretion with that, too. Yeah. Because sometimes people that are really close to you are so unable to deal with it at all emotionally that, you know, they they can do anything in response to, to guard against that. I mean, attacking in some way. And it's the same thing that goes, honestly, with autism. There are people out there that have children with autism, even, that vehemently defend their position that it's genetic, it can't be prevented, there is no right. cure. And So why do, why do they do that? Why are they attached to that? I'll tell you why. I don't think they're evolved enough to go through the complex emotions and trauma of feeling guilty for doing something that you Mm. didn't have the information at the time that so greatly affected your child and decimated your family's life. So it's a self-blame issue. I think that's part of it for a lot of those people. Because you really have to be a tough cookie. To To realize that you made a mistake that hurt somebody. Right, that you were talked into something and you didn't research it further, or you had a gut feeling, you went against the feeling. You know, there's a, there's a million different ways. Which applies to all of us in some way, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're really open and honest, <clears throat> there's probably every one of us has done things that are really thoughtless and harmful in some way. Right, whether and it's to yourself or to someone else. Nobody knew any better. Even the people that intellectually knew better, didn't really know better, but he, because if they had, they would never have done it. Absolutely. The so I think we're connected. in a really tough position here. I mean, can it get worse? Of course it can get worse. It's, but it's pretty bad. I mean, nobody feels safe going to a hospital for anything these days. You that's know? that's a accurate. It's like a place where you die now, you know? It's, it's not even safe to get hit by a car anymore. Totally not safe. End up in a hospital. That's what I'm saying. It's totally not safe. That's true. So it's really really upsetting where we're at. And schools don't feel safe. used to feel okay. You drop your kid off. Oh, thank God. I don't have to, you know, pick him up till whatever time. So it's just where is the safety? The safety's, you know, like in your home. That's about it. Yeah. And we need to really support each other and not, 
emphasize fighting about everything. Yeah. You know, our common ground is a lot more important. Oh, I gave up on fighting with people a long time ago because it just destroys my own peace. It's the same with blaming people, you know, and hating people because they're doing something that you see as bad. I mean, if we didn't have consciousness to the degree that even that we have it now, we could be making the same mistake anybody else is. So, I, so where is all this going? I mean, I don't know. I thought early on a year ago, you and I had talked about, I thought there'd be a revolution by now. Um, but I, I think, you know, I, d- I doubt that's going to happen. And, and like you had mentioned, I think that could make things a lot worse, you know? Yeah, I mean, our challenge is consciousness and and not in a normal situation. I mean, it's kind of like, if you're a healthy, normal person and you're not ready to leave this lifetime and they put you in hospice and give you the drugs to make you die, but you're basically healthy, I think humanity's been put in that situation. Totally. Can we shake Um, ourselves awake? So I think it's, you know, it's really everybody, first and foremost, keeping your family safe and healthy, you know? talking to everybody about what's going on and dispelling the things that are completely false, you know, all these narratives. Which means that if you want to help even your own family, you have to take care of yourself too. Whatever that requires. up for the school systems that are doing some, (laughs) the ones that are doing some crazy things. I'm thankful, you know, the the only thing the school system by me did that was the mask mandate. That's, that's the only thing. Okay. And I have to tell you, you know, I wouldn't want to put up with it again because I didn't know that the school systems all get money for masking the children. I had no idea. Isn't that incredible? And so I would refuse to deal with that if they started it this fall again. It's a way that they control cities and and school districts and everybody give them free money. Hospitals. Hospitals were paid to kill people with supposedly with COVID. Right. And I don't know how everybody else feels or you feel, but I don't feel free right now. (laughs) No, freedom is something different. It's not here right now. I think the reason that America is so targeted as a country to take apart is because there's a memory. There's some memory of individual freedom here. Yeah. You know, it was in the founding documents of the country individual freedom, not the collective. And the idea that there can be an emergency where you lose your freedoms is false. They made The founders made the decision to write in no emergency clauses. So if you're going to die in a, pan, a real pandemic, will you just die? It's not worth giving up freedom, you know, even in a real situation like that. Or if you're an individual that's susceptible, like we knew the older people were, you just stay at home and try some normal response like that. But even if there's a pandemic with a 90% death rate, they can't take away your rights because the founders clarified those come from God. So God can take them away, I guess, but not the government. Yeah, this new... World Health Organization treaty is quite scary. It's, you know, I think hardly anybody really understands it except for the, you know, 
the usual very awake people. Right. They're, the sequence is they'll pass it, and then it's not really law in any country until they pass it nationally. Like in the U.S., it has to pass Congress. But they know at this point, thanks to education and the media, that almost nobody understands that. So they can just say, well, we have this treaty with the WHO now, even though it's not ratified. They can use it as an excuse. And people think that it's just about health. But it's not. It's like whatever they want to do, they can say it's for your health. And that gives them jurisdiction. Completely illegal. I don't even understand how we got here. (laughs) People just being trained to have blind trust in authority. You know, and World Health Organization, I mean, don't even look at what it really is. It's got the word health. So it must be incredible. Right. And it's like completely funded by Bill Gates. It's, yeah. We've had some of the doctors on that are really aware of this kind of thing. Dr. Rima Labo, she said, no, it's not the World Health Organization. It's the WHO, the World Homicide Organization. And in this country, we have the Centers for Disease Control and Proliferation, or Creation and Proliferation. It's so... So I I don't know where it is, but I I think the only thing I can do is is keep upbeat, keep aware. Yeah. use Use what's going on to try to protect myself, my family, you know? Your emotional state is critical. I agree. That's why they teach you in the university... And I'm still in the middle of that system, too. And they they teach you emotions are irrelevant. Um, If you want to be a real scientist, which is like part of the nobility, you have to have no emotion and no opinion. And then you could become a real scientist and a real citizen, too. Because they know emotion is so powerful. If, If your emotion gets focused and positive and strong, and connected and self-reliant, it's no longer subject to the same blind trust. So they have to tell you it's nothing, subjective nonsense. But directed emotion is powerful. It's way scarier for the children growing up today than, you know... I don't think they realize the scariness of it. A lot of them are just seeing in their immediate environment. And if they have good parents, they're being shielded and they don't realize the world they got born into. So we have a limited amount of time to make it more like what they think it is. I know we we have to change things, though. It's not fair for them. No, even if even if some of the parents don't care about themselves, they should care about the kids and. Even if they don't have kids, other people have kids, and we're all much more networked and connected than we have any idea for the most part. I I think for me, seeing what's going on today, I never understood why people gave their life for freedom, like on D-Day, the American Revolution. We're not supposed to relate to that anymore. What? We're not supposed to relate to that anymore. But now we can. This has made us relate to that. Yeah, we're getting in a situation that's a lot more serious than when the colonists revolted against England. Exactly. You know, the king had no idea of the kind of stuff they're doing now. Yes. So you're right. And it's a kind of a race between two 
different momentums that are clashing. One is the awakening urge that you're talking about. And the other is the structure that's saying, keep them drugged. Keep them unaware of everything. Take away their food. Take away their ability to go anywhere. Right. Take away their ability to see someone's face. Don't ever let them suspect that they've got a source of everything internally. It's very scary how fast this all went. Very. Yeah, and one of the requirements to get anywhere with it is we have to get to where we don't have fear anymore. Yeah. Because fear is a real, it's not a so much a mind killer like they said in Dune, but more of a mind corrupter, you know, a self-destroyer. Well, I think the only way to get there, Richard, is when people have nothing to lose because they have nothing left. It also helps to realize who, who we are. You know, if, if we realize we're wearing these costumes, that this isn't, isn't us, it's a conscious costume that we're wearing for a brief time, and that we're indestructible because we're not physical. That helps a lot. That's hard for a lot of people, though. <laughs> I know. We're still working on the details of that one. Yeah. <laughs> Having it as a theory is not what's needed. No. Got to be an experience. It's got to be palatable for people to digest. They've got to experience it. Yeah. I think that's critical. You know, and we're looking at some of these techniques that have indicated that's possible and that consciousness influences physical matter. But it's always been on a small scale. Nobody scaled that up or we wouldn't be in the situation we're in. Of course not. And I've looked into what we spoke about a couple weeks ago, and I think it's very interesting. Which part? Uh, Ho'oponopono? Ho'oponopono, yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking at that should bring up the ramifications of it immediately. I mean, for people that don't know, this is one doctor named Dr. Hulan who was in called to help with violent mental patients. Mm-hmm. And they were attacking the staff and making it impossible to run that ward of the mental hospital. And he came and did an internal process where he projected a certain kind of uh, four phrases, which I found out later he actually did to himself or to God not to the patients, but he never met them. And over a few-month period, they virtually all got cured. And he didn't do anything physical. But there were limits, you know, why didn't it go further? It's really important to find that out. So one of the main focuses that I've got right now is how to perfect what was left that Ho'oponopono didn't do. Because we're just in a Bigger mental ward than the one that Hugh Len was in. But it's absolutely a mental hospital where the patients and the staff are all criminally insane. And all we have to do is. Do you have someone that could speak about that to people? I've looked, but I'm the only one I know of so far. Okay. I'm going to keep my. I'll be glad. I feel like, you know, I I would like somebody way better than me at it because I'm just, you know, what I see as a low level investigator, beginner, but I don't see anybody who's even done it. I've talked to groups that have used Ho'oponopono and that are working on it all the time and they call it cleaning and they're working on these four phrases, repeating them, but they're still subject to all these limitations and fears. And it's like, it's built on the assumption 
that we're always going to be in progress of working on that endless cleaning, and that's not what's needed right now. You know, the the tangible results of that are wonderful compared to having nothing. You know, those mental patients got cured. That was would be seen as miraculous, and it really happened. Yeah. So that's of great value. But that's not enough. I mean, people are doing Ho'oponopono in many parts of the world, and the rulers are not slowing down. So there's a big gap in what's needed. And what I'm really pushing on right now is, all right, what could you do to the way that it's applied or to how you use the phrases or maybe updating some of the phrases. I know this is heretical, but I'm finding that some of that has to be done. And I think I've got what looks like a way to do it. And we need people working with that because oh. it's very, it's very powerful. So I'm glad you're interested. Yeah. That's neat. And there are a few other things like that, but what I was trying to do is come up with a system that, combined the good aspect of Ho'oponopono, which is very powerful, with what the Chinese uh, drugless doctors had demonstrated, mm-hmm. curing cancer in real time within about 30 minutes, incurable cancer, combined with the instances in studies that are documented where people meditated and the crime rate in their city went down in a big drop right during the meditation. All these are clues, and they show that consciousness, if it, oh, in the water experiment of Dr. Emoto, yeah. people focused, I love you, different emotions at glasses of water in experimental environments, and uh, then they flash for us the water and showed the crystal pattern, and different emotions resulted in different crystal formations, and the two that were the most beautiful in the design that formed were when when the lab tech was uh, projecting love or gratitude. So I wanted to put all those together. And as of last night, I think I've got a way to do that. So it has to be tested. That's great. Yeah, we have to take it from theory to actual practice now. So, But I think it doesn't matter if somebody's doing it in that form or whether they call it Ho'oponopono or anything like that. It's Focused, projected emotion changes so-called reality. It's like prayer. I mean, prayer is, is powerful. It is. It is. And, and everybody is praying and meditating and projecting emotion 24 hours a day. It's not like you have to learn how to do that because we're already doing that. Absolutely. We're doing the Eastern practice of mantras. Even if you don't believe in any of that, it's kind of shocking to realize you're doing it now. So the steps are become aware of that and then learn to project it. And I think it's probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, fears of the highest positions in the power structure, way above what people see, not, not names that you've ever heard, right. the ones who give the orders. Because we have a lot more power than they do if this gets focused. Not to hurt or destroy them, but to shake them out of the false identification that they've got. Absolutely. 
they're not who they think they are either. This is all characters in a movie, a very high-tech movie. And the actor has forgotten that he or she is not the character. Right. Merged into it, and that can be broken. And I, I realize this will sound totally insane to most people, but <laughs> not to some people. Definitely not. Right, and the ones who are open to it. it has, it's like one of those medicines that you found that has potential benefits and no downside. Absolutely. There's no reason not to get what you can from it. Exactly. So, so how can people kind of stay in touch with what you're doing? And are you still doing, uh, like I know you were doing health coaching for a while, stuff like that. What are you doing now and how can people well, stay connected? Well, the best way for people to get in touch with me is either, I have two websites, daraburger.com or okay. daraburgerhealthcoaching.com. Oh, and okay. I also have my podcast, everychoicecounts.org. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm actually writing these down. So, Deborah, Deborah, D A R A B E R G E R dot com, right? Exactly. And that website really goes to all my other websites. So, if you just go on that one website, you can get to any of my other websites. And there's an email to contact me. And definitely, okay. I'm on Facebook. You know, and I and I. One I, of the I, sites it connects to is health coaching. Health coaching and everychoicecounts.org, my podcast. Okay, and what kind of health coaching is it? What do you do? I, my focus is on children with chronic illness or mothers who are cleaning out before giving birth or even when the baby's very young. Okay. I, I'd be happy to help anyone, but that's, that's where my experience lies. What, just so people know, what do you mean when you say cleaning out? Well, you're not meaning cleaning the kitchen or something. No, we are not. We are detoxifying your body very slowly and making sure your detoxification pathways are open, your methylation, right. and, and making sure your liver is clear so that you can keep, you know, so it doesn't get clogged up with all the toxins. And just and, and it's a lot safer to go through that procedure before you're pregnant, right? It, it's definitely optimal. Definitely to lower the chance of those toxins being passed on to your baby. Exactly. And if you don't do this process, that can happen just in normal everyday life. Right. And, you know, it's not too late after you have the baby, and you can certainly do it to the baby slowly. So. And what about when you're pregnant? I mean, that's a, a question. How do you handle that if you realize that you're doing some practices that may impact the baby negatively in your food or other things which ones can you stop and which ones are not safe to do that well i have a few chapters in my book that really talk about preconception during pregnancy and then of course after pregnancy and one of the most important things is just an anti-inflammatory diet that is organic food which of course would take away all the gmos and it should just be simple whole foods foods in their natural state not and it's not it's not dangerous to switch to that during pregnancy oh no absolutely not and there's plenty of other very safe things that you can do of course taking a probiotic or eating fermented food so you know I urge people to consult with an integrative nutritionist if possible, but there's some wonderful, you know, 
just simple steps that people can take in my book that you don't need to, that are just co- sort of common sense if you know about natural health. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you do. Th- how do you do that on Zoom meetings or something like that? Or Yeah, Zoom meetings for sure. And a lot of people message me through Facebook. And if it's something simple and quick or I can point them, at, I always answer people who need help. I'm, you know, I'll give, I'll shed my experience with right. them, what I did, what helped me, you know. Is Facebook just Dara Berger on Facebook? Yes. Okay. Dara Silverman Berger, my maiden. But if you put in Dara Berger, it'll come up. Okay, but if there's other Dara Burgers, Facebook's pretty big. Yeah. No, so my maiden name in there, I have so that people who knew me a long time ago. So it's Dara Silverman Berger. And then they'll definitely find me. Silverman is S-I-L-V-E-R? M-A-N, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. And then... um, There's another site besides those two that you mentioned. Uh, Every Choice Counts. Every Choice Counts. What's that about? That's the health podcast where I interview people um, who are very knowledgeable in certain health topics, natural medicine mostly. Um, A lot of it's related to autism, but not always. And I, I also sometimes interview people about how they recovered their health, inspiring stories of healing type of thing. Okay. Is that on a regular schedule or just once in a while? No, definitely not, especially since the pandemic and I've been homeschooling my son. Um, So it hasn't been very... But you've got some archived videos there. Oh, yeah, on YouTube. And people can sign up for the podcast. So whenever I do do one, it could just be emailed directly to them. Okay. And you have a regular newsletter that people can be on? No, not a regular newsletter. Just when the podcast comes out, I send that out. Okay, and there's a sign-up on that site. Exactly. Okay, sounds neat. <laughs> so thanks for being involved in all that. It's really encouraging to hear about. Thank you. No, it's always a pleasure to be here and speak with you. Yeah. Okay, well, hopefully you'll be back soon, and hold on, we'll say goodbye in the break here. Okay. Okay, you guys, that was Dara Berger, author of Preventing Autism, a book that I got back when she first wrote it, packed with interesting information. And as she said, it's only $2 on uh, Amazon. I think it's on Amazon right now. Yeah, I think she said it's still on Amazon. And um, really interesting book with lots of references. And it sounds like... uh, The next part is coming, so she's going to be writing that shortly. She had three different websites, but she said they were all accessible from daraberger.com, which is D-A-R-A-B-E-R-G-E-R.com, and it goes to both of her other sites. And remember that she does uh, private consultations on the autism issue and also general health coaching, which I haven't had any of her. Uh, sessions myself, but I, I would imagine based on extensive conversations with Dara that they'd be really worthwhile. So I encourage you to take advantage of that, especially if you have a child of your own that you're wanting to help with one of these neurological conditions on the spectrum. Um, anyway, it's it's heartening to me to come into contact with somebody who's conscious of what's going on in the world, but it's not just focused on 
going over and over how how horrible everything is and is staying in a good emotional focus. And Dara's really an example of that. So I appreciate her being willing to come on on the show. Um, so just stay in touch with her on her website, her various websites. She's also got a um, a video channel for podcasts. I think it was the one that says everychoicecounts.com and the ones that are already recorded, the archives are available there. And there's some kind of a list that you can get on putting in your email address so that she gets to send the podcast directly to your email. So I would say that's a good idea. And hopefully she gets a lot of, a lot more exposure, uh, with her present and new books too, because there are so many families, not in the U, not just in the U S, but all over the world that are really suffering with the autism situation that affects a whole family and community. And she's helped a lot of people in that situation. So stay, stay up with her site, daraburger.com and stay in touch with us at lostartsradio.com. And there are tabs there that go to our shows. Uh, I think one's called All About the Everything About the Radio Show or Everything Radio Show. And we have uh, channels on multiple platforms that right now, not just BitChute and Brighteon, which are great, but also uh, audio channels as well, like Blog Talk Radio. So you can be in touch with all of that at lostartsradio.com. And um, what else was I needing to tell you? I think that's about it. We're going to be focused on a lot of guests that are have contributing valuable information to dealing with the present situation where the power structure is really accelerating the program to enslave and exterminate humanity and the rest of life on this planet, which would be better to have that not happen. So that's going to be our primary focus, education and um inspiration toward that with all the great people that we can showcase on the, on the program as much as possible and appreciate your taking the time to be with us and to realize that you're walking around with incredible power to contribute to the quality of the future. And that's what we were talking about with Dara on the show as well. So stay in touch, uh, stay up with our shows and we'll look forward to see you here next time. Talk to you soon. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, 
which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big text platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows except the banned ones are on our YouTube channel, at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit Brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month, where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at PlanetaryHealingClub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with. Don't care what people say. All I want to do is walk my way and get ready to be surprised. Things don't look too good these days. Humankind's chasing its own tail to get ready. Surprise! I don't care about the past. Old memories turn to dust. Baby, get ready to be Live for today and get ready to 
Get ready to be surprised. 